My name's Emerson Malone. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello, you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Dana Alston, writer and film critic for the Daily Emerald. And with me here in the studio is Patience Green, uh, Emerson Malone. Hello. And Craig Wright. Hello. And today we're just going to offer our recommendations for what horror movies you should watch this Halloween weekend, because if there's one holiday that deserves movies more than Christmas, it is Halloween. And I don't think there are any movies, any Christmas movies that really hold a candle to Halloween movie. And okay. now you guys are giving okay. me death glares. A Christmas story <laughs> ends that argument right there. All right. No, so no. Shot Halloween now. movies are by far superior to Christmas films. They're year round. I'll give you that. You can watch them any time of the year. Dana, you know, in, in your opinion, what's a classic? A classic horror film. Um, for me, this falls within like my top four all-time movies, and it's Alien, 1973's Alien, directed by Ridley Scott. Um, I watched this again recently, and I already knew I loved it, but watching it again just reaffirmed how good it is. Have any of you guys seen it, the original Alien? Yes, I it's have. pretty much the best classic that there is. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's quite incredible. So basic plot takes place in the distant future, or or maybe not so distant future is never quite made clear, and it takes place on a deep space mining vessel with um, a series of crew members, and it does a very good job of explaining what those crew members want and who they are. It does an awesome job. There's the, the captain, um, there's Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver, who ends up being the franchise hero for the rest of the films. There's an engineer, there's a medical officer who has a hidden agenda of his own. And it opens up and they all wake up from deep sleep, from chronosleep, from being frozen asleep, um, believing that they're near Earth, but it turns out they're in a distant pocket of the galaxy because the ship has redirected its course because it received a distress signal from a distant planet. They go on the planet, they find this gigantic spaceship full of eggs. One of the eggs hatches and attaches itself to a crew member's face. They take him back on the ship very foolishly, and from his stomach, in one of the most disturbing scenes ever put to film, emerges a horrendous-looking alien creature, small at first, but eventually grows into enormous size, and they have to try to fight to survive. Same thing happened to Craig and I one time. (laughs) When was that? Remember when the alien popped out of your chest? I've tried to suppress that memory, but if we need to get into it later, we can fill space. So, Dana, I'm curious. Why do you classify Alien as a Halloween movie? Or is this just horror? <laughs> it's just gotcha. horror. Yeah. Okay. It just, like I said, not so dis- uh, distant future, perhaps, so maybe they don't celebrate Halloween anymore. But needless to say, it is frightening. It is one of the scariest films I've ever seen. It's really scary to think about a future where we don't have Halloween. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So... Um, for me, it's it's a classic. It's a horror classic because I mean, obviously, it's scary, but it it takes a very unique approach to being scary or unique for the time. The '70s in movies was this time when people were being more artful with like typical camp- campy genres, and Alien's way of doing that was taking the horror genre, which was known for its like jump scares and um, kind of cheap screams. And instead, completely flipping that on its head, it's very slow-moving, it's very thoughtful, 
um, it's at least a half hour into the film before you even see the alien and even then as the film progresses you actually never see a full wide shot of what this creature looks like I always like that element in horror movies the understated sort of threat yeah and nowadays films kind of fall into two camps after this film came out they either go the extreme slow burn route, in which in which case it's so slow that you generally lose interest, even if something is kind of a little creepy, or you go the complete opposite direction, in which um, jump it's just jump scares every two seconds. Ouija origin of evil. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that Alien does a good job of being just slow enough to really let you, you know get into the characters and develop them so that you're attached to them as they slowly die off one by one. It has more impact on you than most modern horror movies do. Right, and this was of course followed up by James Cameron's Aliens, which many people argue isn't a horror movie at all, that's more action-based, and that, in my honest opinion, it doesn't have the same effect. This is, it. this Alien, the original, feels very self-contained, very very insular um, and just an awesome watch and I would recommend this film to anyone uh, Patience what about you what, what, what's a horror classic for you um, Jaws I would say <laughs> is the horror classic I'm going to go with um, this is a little bit different than most traditional Halloween movies or even horror movies that we see today since it's a big monster film and, and it takes place on the 4th of July and it takes place on the 4th of July but, I mean, holidays, they're a year-round thing. It doesn't matter Do exactly what holiday takes place on. It's a scary movie. A lot scarier than I thought it was going to be. I avoided watching this movie for a long time because of how, like, classic it's become and how many, like, tropes it's set. I kind of just assumed that it would suck because all of the movies that came after it and kind of were, like... Like, all the sequels sucked, basically, so I thought the Jaws was going to suck, and I it mean, was awesome. I mean, Jaws 3D came out when we perfected 3D technology, <laughs> though. <laughs> did, they, did they have Halloween in 1975? Just, just curious. I don't think it was invented yet. Yeah. Jaws is really good at building tension more so than most movies nowadays. It It's also a little bit slower, but not too slow. You know, there's almost always something, like, happening and going on. The the dunna nana classic music I bothered me for so long <laughs> before I'd ever seen the movie because I was just like why do people think that's scary I don't get it why aren't they saying it all the time and then it comes on in the movie and it just shivers down your spine it's like what's happening I'm so scared um, it's another one where they don't show the monster the alien for most of the movie until the very end and then you see it in its entirety and it's like whoa look at that massive beast right yeah yeah, definitely a like quintessential example of where you don't see the threat for so long. Yeah. yeah. Until the end when it's like hopping on the boat. Really builds mm-hmm. it up. Oh yeah, and then the end it's hopping on the boat and it's just like so ridiculous and yeah. out there but fun and you love it because it took the time to build up to that level of ridiculousness. It didn't start out in your face like that, um, <clears throat> which I really liked about the movie. This is another one where you really like all of the characters mm-hmm. or at least the three main characters. Um, you know, they have that scene on the boat before the very end where they're 
they're all kind of just bonding and like sharing yeah. war stories and talking together and you really like get just this sense of like being there with the guys like a seaman and mm-hmm. like hearing all these horror stories before you know everything goes goes to shit it's terrible <laughs> captain quint in particular like the, the captain of the ship that they're all on that scene that you just talked about where they're bonding and he tells the story of fighting in the pacific campaign in world war ii yeah. and his his ship gets destroyed and all the people all the crew goes into the water and then one by one they're slowly eaten by sharks you know it's kind of like old squares in a battle like you see in a calendar like the battle of waterloo and the idea was shark comes the nearest man that man he start pounding and hollering and screaming sometimes the shark go away sometimes he wouldn't go away Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you. Another power of the right horror genre and of film in general, you can film someone giving a good performance and just talking about something without seeing any of the visuals. And the way he pulls that off, um, Robert Shaw's performance in that scene, and I think in the majority of the movie, carries the story. Oh, and yeah. He, he, that carries the experience. It really helps set the tone and, like, make you more afraid of the shark. It yeah. brings the shark alive as a real, like, true monster and not just this thing in the ocean. Yeah. It's been a few years since I've seen it, but there are definitely at least two iconic moments from Jaws that are just seared into my memory. One of them is the shot... Um, Again, I can't. I can't think of who, which character it is, but it's uh, Spielberg does the vertigo shot where it, like the camera's moving toward him, but it's zooming out at the yeah. same time. Yeah, um, which is incredibly unsettling. And then there's another part. I think it's again. It's been a few years, so maybe you guys can tell me out <laughs> the context here. But there's a group of people, and they're like, "We gotta, we gotta find a way to kill a shark." And then like. I think it's Robert Shaw goes up to a chalkboard yes. and just like yes, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. perfect to like, nails against the chalkboard. Yeah, yeah it's awful. he's awesome in that scene too. It's just like that, he comes in like this war hero, seaman. Mm-hmm. It's great. His performance in that again is really underrated in my opinion. People don't talk about his performance. They always talk about how scared they were, but he deserves more praise than he ever gets. Uh, Emerson, what about you? What's a horror classic for you? I feel like I'm a pretty tough customer when it comes to horror because, like you said, like they generally fall into very polarized camps. I really kind of like a horror movie to have a sense of self-awareness and a sense of humor. And so I think one of my favorites, which I would consider a classic, would be The Evil Dead from 1981. Yes, good choice. Eight of spades... Two spades, jack of diamonds, jack of clubs! Why have you disturbed our sleep? I remember a few Halloweens ago, I was like, I'm just gonna go on a movie marathon and watch as many scary movies as I can until I get freaked out. And I probably watched like a dozen movies until I reached uh, The Evil Dead, and after that one I was like, I'm done. (laughs) Um, so it freaked you out or what? It did freak me out. Really? It's another movie, been a few years since I've seen it, but it's sort of got an archetypal plot. Five college students go to a remote cabin in the woods. Um, they go into the basement. They find a book that... Does the book have a certain name? It's the Book, book of, of the Dead. dead. Book, book of the Dead. Is, yeah. And it's got like a weird face on it. And um, 
then the I think after they open the book, like they start dying off one by one. Yeah, pretty much in increasingly gory ways. Yes, like the tree scene. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> legitimately it's freaky, but it's so self-aware that it's it's like I can forgive it. Yeah, like it, on so many levels. And you mentioned how archetypical the whole setup is, and it's very clear that it, that's entirely on purpose. Right. Like, and. Evil Dead 2 and yeah. then Army of Darkness and whatever sequels they spawned, they took that a step farther. farther. Evil Dead 2 is a remake or reimagining of the first Evil Dead, but it still has a 2 next to it, so you assume it's going to be a new story, but it's not. <laughs> and it's that kind of meta-self-awareness. This is, it's, it's like the Evil Dead trilogy set some sort of precedent that I've never seen met by any other movie trilogy where it's like each one almost gets better. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's just as good if not yeah. slightly yeah. better. Exactly. Better and more ridiculous right. as they go on. Absolutely. Yeah. What's the other ch- is that the chainsaw for an arm in the second one? I think that's Army of Darkness. Yeah, that's Army, Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. It's the second one where his hand gets chopped off though, and then it starts chasing him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that scene. It's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah. And it's worth noting the first one was made for less than half a million dollars, which, I mean, 1981, obviously, value was different, but still. Still pretty low. Yeah, still yeah. pretty low. And it's just a it's a showcase of what you can do in the horror genre on a low budget. Yeah. The horror genre is the best for low budget, really. If you want to make a low budget film, all you need is some makeup and people to like run around screaming and you have a horror movie. Yeah. It's great. It can be the best and the worst. I'll I'll just say that. Yes. If you've ever scrolled through Netflix. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so to wrap up this classes, classics segment, we turn to Craig Wright. Craig, what is a classic horror film to you? Well, I'm a traditionalist, and I really took this theme seriously, so I'm going with a Halloween movie called Halloween. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to beat that one. I think it's the best slasher movie that's ever been made. It's... I first or second movie to have a first person killing, right? And Halloween was like the first major movie to do it. Right. And that scene is just so unnerving because you just see a mm-hmm. little kid like, oh, grabbing a mask, you know, his sister's in the house having sex and he <laughs> goes and murders her with a kitchen knife and it's just so unsettling. It's like, yeah. uh, what's going on here? And then just the pumpkin yeah. scene in the opening titles followed by the theme song which is one of the most iconic horror sounds ever yeah. I'd argue I've always appreciated that John Carpenter also wrote that piece of music yeah yeah, yeah like he do he just that's an example of a director who had a vision and was willing to do so much to achieve that vision <laughs> including um, writing that piece of music. It just shows how much control he had over his own work. I mean, again, this was made for less than half a million dollars. It's yeah. Wikipedia says 300000 to $325,000. Wow. And, and I think it's in like a 7-8 time signature, so it's like also very unsettling element yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, just the way that Michael Myers, this, everything down to his walk is just... All, everything about it's creepy. Like, you just... Every time Jamie Lee Curtis is walking, it's like, something's gonna happen. And then, you know, she turns around and he's gone. Like, we saw him. Like, he's there, he's there. But then it's like, no, he's not. It's just the dramatic irony. It's yeah. like, uh, something's gonna happen. He but was... they stretch it out well enough that it's not like everything hits at once. 
until the very end. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like the ending, like you can't kill the boogeyman. Come on, how do you sleep after that? You Come don't. On. You don't. Yeah. You shoot him in the face and he's still out there? Come yeah. on, what do you do? So Michael Myers was played by Nick Castle. And in the credits, he's credited as The Shape. The Shape. Which That's is a great perfect. title. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's and the scariest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, what's great, too, I remember, I've only seen snippets of this movie, admittedly, so... Um, okay. But, yeah. You're, you're our film writer, Dana. <laughs> I know. Okay. Did I just lose my job on air? How about this? <laughs> How about this? Let me just throw some fuel on this fire. There's not a John Carpenter movie that I enjoy. Really? I've seen like five or six of his movies <laughs> and I can't get behind it. Any of them? Just yeah, they're, I think at this point, I don't know, maybe I'm just viewing it from the millennials' point of view, but it's they, they're just also dated to me. I feel the same way about Hitchcock. Really? But yeah. I, I still appreciate Hitchcock. But Quick sidebar. What is a good modern horror movie you would recommend? It Follows. Also, okay. The Hitch, Witch. Yeah. The Witch that came out this year. I'd say It Follows is less scary, but like... It's similar to Halloween where it's... It kind of makes you think. It, I actually yeah. wasn't a fan of It Follows. I need to see it again. Yeah, but I, I thought It Follows did a really good job of building up tensions, especially with like their camera angles and the mm-hmm. soundtracks. It was really slow, but in a very effective way. It's also a great throwback to the classic John Com- John Carpenter esque horror films. Um, and like Patience mentioned, the soundtrack is killer. We were listening to it a, little, a couple minutes ago. It's it's something else. It, it's almost like a critique on the chase scene, <laughs> like. <laughs> Because the the presence in It Follows is literally walking, and it can't do anything (laughs) else, but they still manage to make that frightening. I don't know. It was frightening to me. It's definitely a film that you will either love or hate. It's definitely polarizing. We talked about it last week, and you mentioned the scene where the camera is just circling around the room, just windows everywhere. And every time someone's walking, it's just like, is that the thing? Like, is that the thing? Yeah. And it's just... You're on your toes. Yeah, it circles around uh, 720 degrees. That's so twice rotations, and then you think you see it, and then the rotation stops when you're not looking at it, and you're like, "Oh my god, is it still there? Are they like, is it sneaking up on them still? It's something else, man." And the witch, which came out in February of this year, is much scarier than it follows, um, and also like beautiful to look at well that about wraps up our classic segment so i decided i thought we should just go through and talk about like personal faves and that's sort of what is where this conversation was headed anyway so for me blair witch project is one of my personal favorite movies and that one's pretty polarizing for a number of reasons one of them being it's was sort of like the first mega successful found footage horror movie where you know, that they have a brief statement at the beginning that says this tape was found in blah, 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 and that no one was found with it, yada, 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 and all of this is real, and then it's, like, basically two and a half hours of a handheld camera, or in this the case of Blair Witch, 80 minutes. Um, what, what year did that come out? 99? Yeah, 99. Okay. I don't love it for, this, for the traditionally scary stuff, and I was talking about this earlier. The What makes it scary to me has to do with how they filmed it. So it's about three documentary film students who go out to make a documentary about the Blair Witch in a small town in Maryland. And the Blair Witch is this legend of this omniscient presence that lurks in the woods and kills people and mysterious things have happened. There's all these legends of like children that have been kidnapped and tortured, yada, yada, yada. The, the overture of the movie is a, a series of interviews with the townsfolk um, about what happened and it's sort of 
gives you an overview of what the legend is about. Then they go out into the woods to get a shot or two of the house, but it's quite a trek. And over a week or so, over a week or so, they they disturb a couple of little shrines in the woods and discover that they're being stalked by something that they can't I've see. I've always had the map in the same place, and if it's not there, one of you had to have taken it. I'm, I'm not going into your fucking pants to get your goddamn map, man. I just checked my pocket. It's not in my pants. Look, would I go in and get your map? All I want to do is get out of here, man. I'm not fucking around. That's all I want to, man. Let's go. No, you want to stay here. You want to film rocks. You want to look around. You want to fucking like go. get this. You want to get that. Which way are we walking? That way. Dude, we're in the middle of the fucking woods. We're in the middle of the goddamn woods. We could walk anyway. The way they filmed it, they actually gave the three actors cameras, the direct two directors, writer directors, and they gave them instructions for their characters on how to improvise and what their character is supposed to be like. And then the two directors almost never interacted with the actors again. They stayed away from them at such a distance, the same distance that this creepy thing would be, and they made a lot of creepy noises, and they gave them instructions through um, crates found in the woods on where to go. And so they hit these series of locations over the eight days. And so what it becomes is this interesting social experiment where you see these actors who are told to improvise and told to do these certain things, and eventually... By day eight, they're at the verge of a complete mental breakdown, and a lot of those emotions are completely genuine. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to anyone if you did not like uh, the series of horrible found footage films that we've had in recent years, mostly because of Blair Witch, or like Apollo 18. Did you guys see Apollo 18 or hear about it? It's like this awful movie about an alien on the moon, but whatever. You know, Paranormal Activity is decent, the sequels are terrible. Blair Witch, the original, I think is great, and it's fun to watch, and it's an interesting viewing experience. You just kind of reminded me of the movie Creep from uh, Mark Duplass, which was also found footage. Basically, this guy hires a filmmaker through Craigslist, and he wants him to come to his house and um, make a movie of him because he says, I've been diagnosed with this terminal illness. I only have a few more months. I want to make this movie for my baby boy. Oh, I have seen that. Yeah. Or like at least parts of it. Um, it's very good. Mark Duplass is like a really lovely, funny, charming, handsome, great guy. And it's so scary to see him take on a horror role because yeah. it's, it's, you can't look at him any other way yeah. after that. But Creep, it's an amazing movie. How about you, Patience? What's a contemporary favorite? So, my contemporary favorite was Jacob's Ladder. I think this is a really um, underappreciated film. A lot of people don't know about it, and it's horrifying. So this movie is about a man who comes back from the Vietnam War. He's a war vet. He has kind of PTSD throughout the movie. He's lost his family. His wife divorced him before the film, and he's with this other woman, and that's definitely something that plays in. He has a lot of, like, or he has this nightmare where he dreams that he's back with his family and, like, his children, and he has a child that died before the war and is there the whole time, and it's this actually, like, lovely, happy family scene, but the whole time you're just so scared, and there's all of this tension, even though it's not leading to anything scary and I think that says a lot for this film in general it's kind of about him going through life and having all these flashbacks of the war with some of the best war scenes that I think 
any movie has. Vietnam movies usually have a lot mm-hmm. of really good scenes, and this one which really puts you there. There's a lot of confusion. The camera's flying around to all these different people. There's this, like, man just crying, watching people kill each other. Um, what year did that come out? 1990. The movie really makes you feel like you're going crazy along with the main character. I love those kinds of movies. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. so frightening. There's a lot of biblical imagery in this movie. Some of it's really blatant, like right at the beginning, he gets out of the train and there's just this sign that says hell. <laughs> and, <laughs> Subtle. Yeah. yeah. And that's basically what it is, though. He's pretty much in hell throughout this movie going around people um, aren't people and He'll look, and a car will just be like filled with these demons. And there's a lot of uh, those scenes with people who are just like shaking their heads back and forth really fast to create this scary feeling. Um, the scene, there's a scene where he's at a party with his girlfriend, and it's one of the scariest horror scenes. I think that I've ever seen it starts out like a lot of this movie it starts out really like feel good everything's great they're dancing around at this party and all of a sudden like the lights are flashing and everybody's turning into demons and beasts and his girlfriend's just like being raped by this like huge demon and it's so scary and then afterwards he passes out and has like really high fever and he has to be put this bathtub with this ice it's just like melting and it's just a really overwhelming what you just described sounds like the most disturbing thing i could ever imagine it is yeah really i was gonna like say the same thing happened to craig and i one time <laughs> yeah, you know. same night <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's worth noting. I'm reading some trivia about it right now. Um, it is a major source. It was a major source of inspiration for the um, developers of the Silent Hill franchise. Oh yes, okay. and that was something I I played the Silent Hill video games. And as I was watching the movie, you can tell too. There's a lot of scenes where he's like lost in places downtown, like that scene with the hell sign. He comes out of the train, and the train station's just like locked. He can't get out. I yeah. never actually says how he ends up leaving. He probably takes a train somewhere else. But it's like the most disturbing surreal experience. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm adding that one to my list. That sounds like quite the film It's to very watch. scary. It has cool twists at the end, too. Emerson, contemporary classic horror film. I think sort of what we've been sort of implying is that there are a lot of like sensational horror movies that don't really do it. Um, but modern day horror movies, the best ones are kind of more like psychological thrillers. They're yeah. more grounded in reality. And that's what I really liked about 28 Days Later from 2002. Um, it was written by Alex Garland and directed by Danny Boyle. Alex Garland um, partnered with Danny Boyle on the beach and Sunshine and later wrote and directed Ex Machina yeah. from last year. Um, so 28 Days Later is a pretty great take on the well-tread path of the zombie movie yes sort of traces it into saying oh we contracted this rage virus from monkeys that these animal rights activists broke out of a you know um, shelter (laughs) but the way it's told it begins this dude played by cillian murphy wakes up in a hospital bed you get to see him walk out of the hospital bed with a needle in his arm and that's all fun, and then tries to figure out what's going on because the hospital is empty, everybody's gone around him. Kind of similar to the pilot of The Walking Dead. I, just... I also thought the sequel, 28 Weeks Later, was also really good, but this I is a really a big fan. really tight movie. Yeah. IMO. 
28 what, weeks later, yeah, I was a little uh, goofy. 28 days later, I, I, we were talking about it earlier, how in It Follows, the thing that they're, that's following them can only walk. This takes the reverse approach. Exactly. They take something yeah. that normally shambles forward, and then they give them the ability to run. And that changes everything mm-hmm. about the genre. It, like, it, it makes it so much scarier yeah. that they can actually just run at you. I mean, they basically co- do a cop-out and say isn't, they're not technically zombies, but they're zombies and they can run, and you better be, you better fucking run, too. Like... That's basically like a zombie if they had all the benefits of a vampire at that point, right? What year was 28 Days Later? 2002. 2002, 2002. so yeah. Then 2004, they redid the Dawn of the Dead with the fast zombies as well. And that was another... Nice one, Zack Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> another. It was okay. It was, another, it was a good movie. No, I'm not. I'm another not Zack Snyder I'm saying masterpiece. It's been done before. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. A scariest was, movie from Zack Snyder? Alice of Cahool. Scariest Look movie, it up. Scariest <laughs> movie from Zack Snyder was actually Man of Steel because of how bad it was. Sorry. Moving <laughs> <laughs> right. on. Uh, Craig, contemporary classic? I didn't read the email right, so I brought an oddball film. So... <laughs> 1977, there's this movie that my brother showed me a few years back called House. It's directed by Nobu, sorry if I butcher the pronunciation, Nobuhiko Obayashi. And it is the strangest thing in the world. There's a cat, there are just severed hands playing a piano. It's just like the worst fever dream you could imagine. Like, Craig and I are like the only informed ones at the table here. We're the only two who have seen it because it is pretty freaking obscure. It's bizarre. And they're, it's just so funny, but it still manages to kind of get under your skin because it's creepy because I couldn't tell you what it's about. Can, yeah. can you? It's, it's basically, uh, what was the guy's name? It, Obayashi. Obayashi. It's basically if Obayashi had to put together a PowerPoint presentation of creepy imagery. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's really, it's in typical surrealist fashion. There's very little through line. There's kind of a plot and there's an ending, but what's in between is basically up to you. Yeah, it's six schoolgirls go to their aunt's creepy country home, and yeah, they just start having weird experiences. Six schoolgirls yeah. are the main characters. Yeah. And right. it's, it's so strange. It's is bizarre. <laughs> and um look, if you if you have like an hour to do nothing absolutely nothing else or a couple hours to kill, just check it out. It's hilarious. Yeah, you'll either think we're complete weirdos or you'll totally be totally be into it too and just start wanting to talk about it with your friends. So just to wrap it up, do you guys have any Halloween movie plans like do you know what you're gonna watch this weekend personally I was actually gonna check out The Exorcist but I also Blair Witch too because I really want to watch it again yeah I mean I'm probably gonna go like trick-or-treating or or something (laughs) (laughs) quaint Quaint. (laughs) I'm gonna watch Black Mirror on Netflix if you guys have seen that that. it's excellent and also very scary how about you Craig well, the scariest thing about Halloween, my friends are trying to get me to dress as Jimmy McElroy from Blades of Glory. That's not the scariest wow, thing. That's the so you're thing. doing it, right? It, yeah. We look too similar. Well, good luck with that, and yeah. I think that's all we have time for today. So I am Dana Alston. I'm Patience Green. I'm Emerson Malone. I'm Craig Wright. Thanks for listening. To hear more from the Emerald Podcast Network, visit dailyemerald.com. Bye.